Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with executive producer and co-host Mark Griffith. Fresh from Nashville, from the Tennessee Titans, victory. Tighten up. That was an awesome display of football dominance. I don't know if you'd call it dominance with four field goals in the first half, but they put it together. Um, excited to be here. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we talk a little sports here on the Housing Hour, and that's okay. We have our Vol Nation series that we do from he- uh, here and there. So, um, And we just completed a series, and really we're using this show here as sort of the last installment. It's a bonus interview. It's a bonus. It is. Because we did the five-part series with the United Way, had some great guests on that show. Um, we had some tremendous volunteers, people who really were in, you know, an important piece of the wheel for the United Way Knoxville. And I really enjoyed hearing Brandon Parks last week describe from the Young Leader Society his perspective, being an advocate for all the agencies and really describing some some very important pieces. And, you know, today we have on the show a very important part of the puzzle for Knoxville and, and how it is that Knoxville deals with um, issues within our community. And we have Allie Lilly with us, the executive director of the YWCA Knoxville, and Maggie McNally in the house as well. She's the director, um, actually says director of of Anderson County Services, which I guess has a huge umbrella sort of of what you do, correct? Correct. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Allie, let's start over here. I I was very intrigued when I read your bio because you think about people and they go through life, they find an organization that they they, they want to work for, and then sometimes that's that's a way to sort of get to the next stage of their career. Maybe that's, you know, someone who they want to work in, which is an example for myself. Um, you know, I worked in retail a lot in my mm-hmm. younger years and then I transitioned into something different, but I was always wanting to be in sales. You've really, you've really started in this sort of realm, this advocacy, this, um, helping stand up for other people role ever since you were in college. So talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about the YWCA about yourself, how you got involved, and just give me that 30,000-foot view of, of who you are and what you do. Sure. So the YWCA Knoxville um, in the Tennessee Valley was founded in Knoxville, downtown Knoxville, right at our current location at Clinch and Walnut in 1899. Wow. Um, you know, I, I think that history um, of continuously serving women and their families and being really committed to the Knoxville and greater Knoxville community um, really speaks for itself. And I think for me, when I started with the organization in 2007, really drew me to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's something to be said about um, longevity and commitment, and that was really important to me. And so I think when you mentioned my bio, just my history with the YWCA, um, that commitment has been really important to me. I think being we, you know, our, our mission is to empower women and eliminate racism. Mm-hmm. We do that in, in several different ways in our community. Um, we do that through housing 58 women at our, our downtown location. We do that through serving hundreds of youth um, at-risk middle school and high schoolers at our um, after-school programming at our Phil Sweetley Center. We do that by serving women and, and others who are victims of domestic violence in their, their most vulnerable stages. Um, we do that by providing accessible health and fitness programs to the community. Um, and then we also do that through prevention and awareness. Um, you know, I think, as you mentioned, Domestic Violence Awareness Month is this month. 
um, we think it's really important to let the community know that um, one in three women in their lifetime will experience some form of, of domestic violence and abuse. Um, you know, we know that it's happening in our community and we want people to know that we believe them and that we're here to help them. Mm. Wow. That's so powerful. Let me step back a moment. When you talk about your career and what it is that you do and, and, and how you stepped into this role, because pre college for, for Allie, which you're an important person as it relates to the YWCA executive director, I think there's only one notch higher. So you're Mm -hmm. pretty important when it comes to the YWCA. When you decided um, in high school, let's just go to high school. I want to. I want to know the person because I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, what What kind of led you down this path? Because there's so many, and I ask, I've asked every guest this. You know, there's so many things that you can do in business and throughout. You know, we have a huge um, job market. Um, what was it about advocacy that drew you to that? Tell me a little bit about that decision as you st- stepped into college and so forth. Oh, that's a Pretty deep question. Yeah, okay. we get deep here I on the housing it. hour. All right, yeah. not just football. Okay, no, so no. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think for me, I, I've always been really committed to my community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was instilled at me at a very young age. I think you know I've been fortunate to have um, amazing mentors and individuals that have come through my path that have really um, continued to make me be committed to my community. Um, I think when I, you know, was in college, you know, I was a communications major, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. I was really interested in how we communicate with each other, how we communicate messages. I think that was probably my early start in advocacy, um, you know, through my first jobs after, after college, you know, I was doing advocacy related to, um, awareness in the community, working with underserved and really underprivileged individuals, um, in the Appalachian mountains, um, and then when I came to University of Tennessee, you know, I got my master's in social work. And that was when I was first introduced to the YWCA. And, um, you know, all of my past experiences and my past passions really just came together there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it, it's just a mission that I believe in and a mission that I'm committed to. Um, you know, we have amazing staff that work at the YWCA. I know we'll hear from Maggie, but mm-hmm. um, she's just one of, of many that are all individuals that are committed to our mission. Um, and, and also our board, you know, mm-hmm. I think the YWCA is fortunate to have a very strong, um, all female board of directors who are mm-hmm. committed to bettering this community. And, um, you know, it just is a great place to work every day. Well, that's great. That, I, I always ask that question because some people, they find it a little difficult to answer. You didn't, but, and I understand that some people might not know just how to answer it because it, it, it was just sort of a natural evolution of mm-hmm. themselves. And, and I think you even described that in a lot of ways. Um, and the people we've spoke with, whether that be Susanna's house, you know, or the epilepsy center that I went and visited or Salvation Army, it just everyone who you speak with, it is their calling. It's mm-hmm. sort of what they're destined to do. Um, and this month is the Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And that's an important, obviously very important. You mentioned one in three um, are going to suffer some sort of domestic violence within their lifetime. And that that statistic is alarming, first of all. Um, Could you just tell me what Domestic Violence Awareness Month, what are some of the things that you can do or what some of the things that we are doing and what you're doing? Um, as it relates to the awareness month. And I think Mark also has a question. Well, I was going to jump in and say one in four men are also Mm -hmm. subject of domestic violence. And that's a friend of mine, Cara, Cara Mm Rue from Crossroads ministry in Anderson County. When she introduced me to Allie, she mentioned that men are Mm -hmm. just as much victimized too. Right. I think it speaks probably to the emotional and also spiritual 
um, sickness that a person who does commit the domestic violence has. So it could be a man or a woman. It just happens to be more men statistically do, mm-hmm. but do it. But anyway, yeah. um, what are some of the things that are happening for right. this month? So we, uh, we have a campaign going on right now with um, flyers. And then if you are in downtown Knoxville, you'll see purple ribbons all mm-hmm. throughout um, and we're really trying to spread the message that we believe you, mm. um, you know, that statistic mm. is there, but you know, the, the numbers that we see, um, in terms of reported, we know there are people out there that are experiencing some form of domestic violence in their home, whether it's a man or woman. Um, and, and they, they don't know what to do, right? They're not sure where to go. They're not sure that if they go and tell someone what's happening, that they'll believe them. Mm. They may have already told their family or friends and they say, well, you know, what are you talking about? He's a, you know, he's a wonderful husband or a wonderful boyfriend. I don't see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so our, our message is to really say that these things are happening. This is what you can do to help. Um, you know, domestic violence is rooted in power and control. Mm. Um, and, and we know that um, there's a cycle that evolves from that. Um, and we know that there is assistance out there for someone. And so we want to make sure people know that there's assistance in our community um, and ways to help. So we have... Um, the awareness campaign going on. We are doing several events throughout the community at different colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one coming up um, this week at South College. I was just um, reading about yeah, that. That's so, great. Um, just trying to spread awareness and education. Um, and of course, our advocacy and our um, communications team is available to come out and speak to any business or individual that wants more information as well. Yeah. And we're running out of time in this segment. And Maggie, I promise we're going to get to you in just a moment. Um, it's interesting too. Do you think about the mission of United Way of Greater Knoxville as an example, um, financial stability, health and education, mm-hmm. and it, it very much aligns with what your core beliefs and core mm-hmm. mission is as well. And that's probably why you guys have a good relationship Absolutely. with them. Um, so this is good because I think Mark and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, everyone that I have heard from, it, whether it be Claudia or going back all the way to Rebecca, everyone has a heart and a passion for what they're doing. It, it's such a focus. Mm. I mean, I think some people would say over-focus, but mm. it's such a perfect focus to mm-hmm. have on the community, these passions. Right. It's just, it really is inspirational. Yeah. And, and Mortgage Investors Group, the sponsor of our show here, we find it very important to be involved with these type of awareness campaigns. It's very important because we know that our community is where it is that we have seen such success and such loyalty from the people who live right here in Knoxville and the greater Knoxville area and the whole state of Tennessee, frankly. So we know, we know that this is where we will do the most good is by advocating and bringing the awareness to this show. And that's why we have this platform and that's why we do what we do. So we're going to continue here on the Housing Hour. We're talking with the YWCA. Some great information from Allie here and Maggie. We're going to continue right after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again... Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the housing hour. Again, this is Kevin Ray. I am your host with Mark Griffith, our co-producer, co-producer, co-host and executive producer. Um, We are so thankful to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Um, Please share this show with friends and family. There's a lot of ways you can do that. One of the ways is you can go and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Um, That way you'll have it right there on your phone every week. As soon as we post the show, you'll be able to access it. Um, the other way is to go to the treasure trove mothership, the housing hour.com. 
we would love for you to go there. And not only will you be able to share this show with your friends, your family, you'll also be able to click around and see the other series that we have um, been a part of. Uh, the um, most important thing for us is to be advocates and conduits to the people who listen to this show um, and the organizations who are making things happen. And that's one of the reasons that we did the United Neighbor series, which you can find on the housinghour.com. You can click there. It has all five shows from David Brace, who is the board chair of the United Way, all the way down to the very last show, um, which is this show. Um, we're putting that one and adding it sort of as a, a bonus, I guess, a bonus track, if you will, because um, I want to focus on the YWCA and not so much the United Way in this show. But we have some uh, guests with us in studio, uh, which I think have really, even in the first segment, helped me understand more about what it is that the YWCA does, what they are all about. Um, And this month we have, um, which is an important thing for everyone to understand, is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, The purple that you see out and about, that represents the Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we were talking in the previous segment about one in three women do at some point suffer or get domestic violence actually happens to them. And that's an important statistic to hear. So I'm going to bring in Maggie McNally um, at this point in the show and talk a little bit, little to her. Um, she has been on radio so many times. She's not nervous at all. She does this like a lot. <laughs> um, and Maggie, let me ask you uh, this question because you've been with, the YWCA since 2014, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. And you, previous to that, you were involved in advocacy. Mm-hmm. You were involved in representing and standing up and giving people hands up, not handouts, if that even makes sense. So you've this is also your life passion. I'm going to ask you the same question um, that I did ask um, at the beginning with Allie. Give me just a 30,000-foot view. Why did you get involved with the YWCA and where, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. I know a lot about you because I've known you for so, so long. She might know more about you. Oh, yeah, she probably does. So give us the 30,000 square foot view or not square foot, but the 30,000 foot view of Maggie McNally. Sure. Um, so I'm from Oak Ridge mm-hmm. and uh, moved to Johnson City and finished college up there. Mm-hmm. I received my degree in psychology And um, soon after I graduated, I ended up working with the Department of Children's Services. And so that was really the first professional job I had where just all of my passions just totally made sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Working with children, working with families. And so really, I've spent the rest of my career up until this point um, being able to do that same type work just Mm -hmm. in different avenues, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, in 2014, decided I wanted to move back closer to home and go back to school at the University of Tennessee. So um, I found the YWCA through a friend, actually your cousin. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> and it just, it, it just was such a great fit for the passions that I had in really working with women and working with families. Yeah. So I started in 2014 and headed up. Um, we have a volunteer program called the Enough with an exclamation point. Program And um, that is a program where we train 
volunteers to be domestic violence advocates mm-hmm. and to work alongside our advocates. So that's where I started and um, have stayed at the YWA, YWCA just for the same reasons that Allie mentioned, just such a great organization. Mm-hmm. Um, it really fits, you know, the things that I'm passionate about, um, working with people, really helping to empower and help people become self-sufficient and um, just be able to lead healthy lives. So. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome, Maggie. And standing up for people that might not have the ability at the moment, that event in their life. I mean, there has to be so much um, that you reward that you get for doing what it is that others can't do for themselves and really working through that process. You know, you know, you talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's really what you're ultimately doing. And I think about the people who I hear about and, you know, I, I use the analogy that Inky Johnson uses all the time. I use it all the time because I love it. And he talks about life being like a road and you're going to run into obstacles and, and you're going to find there's going to be detours and there's going to be potholes and, and things are going to get in your way that are going to try to prevent you from moving forward in your life and going forward. But just like when your mom was taking you to school, she worked around those potholes. She worked around those detours because she was going to get you to school. And that's very much where you come alongside of people who are going through something like this and helping them and helping them get around and get through issues. Is that sort of describe what you're doing over there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great example. I think that um, if you're a victim of domestic violence, then you are experiencing a lot of challenges and obstacles Mm -hmm. in safety, in healthy relationships, in caring for your kids the way you want to care for them. And so I think an advocate's role is to come in and really, like Allie said, say, we believe you first. Mm -hmm. Let's start there. Mm -hmm. But then be able to say, okay, you know, what do you need? What do you want? What are your goals? And mm-hmm. what do you need to be able to achieve those things? Yeah. And so if someone's been living in this situation where they've been controlled and someone else has all the power in the relationship, for you to be able to give that person choices to start making decisions for themselves is really empowering. Yeah. And so you can see it start to change Absolutely, when someone gets the opportunity to start making those decisions. Now, let me bring you back in because I think a big piece of this, you mentioned the 58 person um, transitional housing that you mm-hmm. guys offer. And I know along the journey and in, in, in awareness of de- uh, uh, domestic violence, there's, there's so many layers that are important to understand and, one of the layers, you understand that, yes, we believe you and we want to come alongside of you and, and be an advocate for you. Once they do arrive into the transitional housing, you guys, I mean, let me, I guess let me ask you the question. How much time do you spend on dwelling on what happened to you? And then how much time do you spend on, let's pick up the pieces. Let's do what we need to do to move forward but at the same time, respecting and understanding what has happened in the past. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I think you described that perfectly. You know, we treat each person that comes through our doors as an individual. Mm -hmm. Everyone has their own individual needs, um, their own individual um, choices that they need to make. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we, I, I think our advocates and our team do an excellent job of working with that person as an individual. So again, a woman that may have been, um, physically, abused, right, is going to maybe have some different choices that she needs to make versus someone that's been financially or psychologically abused. Mm. Um, Or, for example, somebody that's been financially abused may have, you know, and so I think each person's experience is different. 
And I think that's the really Mm -hmm. important piece of saying, I believe you to each person is we believe your story. We know that no two stories are the same. We know that there's not just one direct way that you're going to, you know, maintain whatever your goals are. Um, And I think Maggie can probably give several examples of, you know, different women have different goals. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we have to be really respectful of that. And and we are. Can I jump in and ask a question? Jump on in. I'm going to ask this one. Mm -hmm. Um, When I see the stats, one in three are, are physically abused. I mean, so, or, or is that just abused? That's a, that's for domestic violence. So So, that's, that covers all. So mm -hmm. there's, you know, I think that's part of the myth too, right? Um, is domestic violence is just not physical abuse. Okay. Thank you. Right? So there's financial abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's psychological abuse. Again, it's that power and control. Mm-hmm. So when you feel like you are in a relationship or a situation which you have no control over, mm-hmm. right? So if you feel like you've lost the ability to decide um, what your social life looks like, um, what your financial spending looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Or whether you can work or not, or how you raise your children. If you don't have an equal partnership or an equal say in that, um, there might be some concerns. It might not be the healthy relationship. Mm. Um, and I think that's really, again, where we say, I believe you, because each situation is so different. Right. Well, then that statistic, I mean, I don't know how you measure that statistic, because it is very hard to really look inside. I mean, it's not like there's a census worker that's asking those questions. So you have the the people who have come to you. You also can extrapolate that number, I'm assuming. So there is a lot of people who are in this situation that, find themselves there and they don't know what they're to in do. the shadows. They're in the mm-hmm. shadows. Mm-hmm. And this, this, this outreach and in our next segment, I want to get into a little bit more about, because I think it's important. And maybe that's when you can give me some examples, but for those that are out there, maybe you have um, a lot of friends and um, you want to know what are some of the signs? What are some of the symptoms? Because that can help because I think that a big piece of the puzzle here is um, what you've already said, which is we believe you. So if people are automatically fearful about whether or not they're going to be believed or not, I think that that's a big brick wall in order to keep people from being able to climb over it because they think, well, nobody's going to believe me. So that's probably where we'll go in our next segment. We'll talk a little bit about maybe some examples. We'll talk about um, some symptoms and so forth. And we'll go from there. So we have a great show. We have two more segments to go right here on The Housing Hour. We'll be right back. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Kevin Ray here. Um, Definitely want you guys to know that the uh, person, the company rather, that sponsors the show is Mortgage Investors Group. You can go to MIGonline.com, learn more. Um, They're all the way from the Tri-Cities to Memphis and anywhere in between. Love to partner with you. You can contact them at 1-800-489-8910 and uh, would love to partner with you. So uh, you also can check out this show, thehousinghour.com. Um, and share it with friends and family. You can definitely put that on the Facebook. We're on Facebook too. Um, the housing hour is on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash the housing hour. Well, we're also on the Twitter as <laughs> the to everything um, at the housing hour. And Mark is on Pinterest as well. You taught me everything. I yeah, know. I know he, he loves the Pinterest. So, and you know, the YWCA has a, the YWCA Knoxville has a Facebook page as well. Love for you to go 
uh, we will also add a link, not just to their website, but Mark, do you mind putting in their um, Facebook link as well? I'd be happy to. So you can go there since you're listening to this probably either live or on our podcast, you can go check it out. Um, you can find them on Facebook and like their page. They have a, a lot of that. That's nowadays, at least. I mean, your all's website is fantastic. I don't know who created it or how that happened, but it's very well laid out. It's, it's very simple, but very, very um, intuitive. You go click something and you get the information you're looking for. I know that sounds like a novel idea, but not all the time does that happen. If you want to learn about the history of the y, YWCA and just going back, you know, and learning more and I think, you know, it's not obviously you, we talk about the board being women and there being the leadership team and this certainly, you know, women are the leaders and this is, um, focused a lot on women's issues, but you have men volunteers, you have men being involved. I rate, I was, I raced in the, uh, race, race for racism or ra- race against racism, excuse me. And I almost died <laughs> actually. Um, I did the 5k, it, fe- it felt like a, um, a marathon, but there's events like that that you can find, not just on their website, but also on Facebook as well. Um, so we were talking before we went to break, we were talking about some of the myths and also some of the things that you can look for. We, we were going to start talking about maybe some of the symptoms. Um, and I don't know, Maggie, do you want to tackle that? Sure. Because, you know, I, I just think of the people I come into contact with. You know, we have 150 people at our building over here in Knoxville. And so I interact with people a lot. We talk you know, about a variety of topics, whether that be, you know, at, at um, lunch or, or in different places. And I've never really thought about looking for cues for certain things. So talk to me a little bit about the symptoms and what people can look for. Sure. So um, some of the signs, um, one of the first things that we think of is isolation. So a lot mm. of times abusers will isolate the victim from friends and family. Anybody that might recognize that Something's going on and it just doesn't feel right. So if you notice that someone's isolating themselves, they're not going out with friends as much or not visiting with family, um, you know, maybe not even answering phone calls, then that could be a sign that something's going on in that relationship. Um, Also, you know, any physical signs. So if there are any bruises that are unexplainable or maybe the explanation just doesn't seem quite right, Mm. um, that could be another sign. If someone, and we talk about this a lot with younger people, so if someone has to respond to a phone call or a text message immediately, Mm. you know, they have to call the person or answer right away. Then that I do require that. that uh, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> we can refer you to someone after. Right. All right. Um, no, but that could be another sign yeah. that you know there's a controlling person on the other end of that relationship mm. that is requiring that. Or if somebody's you know really jumpy, um, or maybe you know something in their mood has changed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those are just some of the signs that yeah. you know we teach people to look for. Yeah. When you think about you know all of the individuals you come into contact with and, and anybody can jump in on, on this question, but you know, we talk with a lot of people and of, of course you don't want to go into a conversation and say, I'm looking for signs. I'm looking for signs because sometimes there is signs, but sometimes there's not. So you want to be cautious. I would imagine. And this is, I guess for you all, not Mark, cause he probably won't be able to answer this. But um, if you do see some signs, let's say there are some pretty evident signs and you think, okay, I think there's something going on here. I'm not, I've not ever been the type of person that is good at stepping in and saying, Hey, I think there's something going on here. I need to do a better job with that because that's part of awareness and that's part of 
doing the right thing, whatever, you know, what's the right thing to do? Well, sometimes the right thing to do is to step in. So I've, I've not ever been really good at that, but tell me what one might do if they see some very clear signs. What's, what's step one there? I think just stepping in and saying, Hey, I'm concerned about you and Mm -hmm. here are the reasons why. Um, and then showing your unconditional support Mm-hmm. For that person, you know, letting them know that you care about them, that you're there to listen, that they can talk to you. That's building the we believe, I believe you. Right, part. right. Okay. And then also, I think with domestic violence, confidentiality is so important. Mm-hmm. So um, really respecting what the person wants, and they may not be ready to go out and talk to someone else. So if they mm-hmm. just want to keep it between you and them, then respecting their their you know decision for that and mm-hmm. um, just trying to be there, not closing doors. Again, if you know that perpetrators of abuse want to isolate the victim, mm-hmm. then keeping that door open so that they can come back and right. talk to you and not placing any... Um, you know, requirements on what you think the victim should do. If you don't talk to me about this, then don't call me back or something ridiculous. Or if you don't leave this time, then, you know, we've heard that from victims Mm. where, you know, concerned family members, and it it would be horrible to be on the other side Mm. of that too, to watch somebody you love going through that. Mm -hmm. But we've heard stories where people have said, you know, if you don't leave this time, don't call me again. Mm. Well, that's exactly what the abuser wants is to cut those ties in that relationship. So, you know, you want to be someone that they can come back to and that you really understand that they know what's best for their situation. Then in in these cases, who's the one turning themselves to you? Is this a family member that's reached out to you, say, I need help. Will you help me intercede on this? Maybe that's step two. I don't know. How are you contacting them? Who's initiating the contact? Usually we are contacted by the victims. I mean, we do get phone calls from concerned family, um, but really our clients are the victims and they are seeking out services, whether that be through court. We have an advocate placed at the Family Justice Center, so, you know, clients may come there and seek services. Certainly people just call us directly. They know that we have advocates and they just contact us directly. Sometimes it's through our website. I mean, you know, many different ways, but it usually is the client seeking services. So when someone does approach you and maybe it is a family member, is that a good opportunity to educate them about the symptoms and the something? Because they might be reading into something that's totally not, mm-hmm. or they might have, there may be more clarity you can give them and almost like in not endorse. That's not the word I'm looking for, but almost say, yes, you're going along the right path. Here's the best way to handle this, mm-hmm. right? And, yes. th- and then then let's take it a step further because if you were to get on the phone with a victim and maybe they, they say to you, you know, because I can imagine this happens, you know what, my mom told me to call and because uh, there's a lot of denial, I would imagine. And then I, I can imagine, and, and I don't even know, is that your all's role? Do you actually, is that sort of one of the pieces of the puzzle where you sit down and speak with someone about their situation directly? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we have um, a tool that we use called the danger assessment. So mm-hmm. we do that with every client and it can be educational as you're going through mm-hmm. the different behaviors and, and whether a victim has experienced those behaviors from an abuser. So it can be an educational tool. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe someone, they're not really sure if their relationship 
you know, if it's mm. domestic violence. And so we can talk to them, yeah. you know, as they're And, you know, one of the things that strikes me is that this would be so convoluted in codependency issues where you have alcohol or drug abuse and so many things are intertwined. How do you unravel that? Uh, you were actually thinking, that's exactly what I was thinking. How do you unravel it? I think that's where we go back to the individual, right? Mm. We have to help the individual um, kind of see the full picture, right? And I think mm. often we hear, well, he only does this when he drinks alcohol, oh. right? Or he mm. only does this when he's using. Um, okay, like uh, how, what do we need to do to have you be in a healthy environment then? What mm. does this need to be to be in a healthy situation? And um, helping them see that, well, sometimes when he does, even if he's not drinking, he's still doing this type of behavior, right? So you kind of have to pull all that out. And that's where we use tools like the danger assessment. Again, taking that time to individually meet with and talk to somebody um, about what's really going on mm-hmm. in order to give them the resources that they may need. Is, is there ever a moment where you guys feel, or is there sort of in that danger assessment, authorities need to be called at, when, when you hit this score on the assessment? We really would encourage clients if they want to involve authorities. I assume you're talking about law enforcement. Mm -hmm. You know, if a crime has been committed, Mm -hmm. then we really encourage clients to do that if that's what's best for their safety. Mm. And they kind of know, again, what their situation looks like and the consequences that will happen. Right. Because I would imagine just like an attorney, client privilege or whatever those, that if you know that, that someone is being hurt and potentially going to hurt themselves then i would imagine there's another workflow if you will workflow yeah that's what i think of in terms of you know going through a workflow but we're going to have one last segment here and we appreciate you guys joining us right here on the housing hour we'll be right back after these messages Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host, and myself, Kevin Ray. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to speak to you today. Go to thehousinghour.com. We'd love for you to share this show with friends and family. We'd love for you to go to Facebook and like our page, The Housing Hour. Um, You can also check out on the Housing Hour um, a little bit more information about our guests. We'll have links to their website. We'll also have their Facebook link so that you can go like their page. Um, You can learn more about um, this whole month is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. The purple ribbons are not to be confused with the pink ribbons. The pink ribbons are for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which happens to coincide in the same month. Which is, which is important as well, and they're both very important women's issues. And as Mark brought up, it's not just women who suffer from domestic violence. There's a majority, I think we could say, um, that that was probably the majority are women who suffer from that, as well as breast cancer. Somebody brought up to me that, that, that men can get that as well. So we're all just learn, learning about these different um, things that are happening in our community. When we ended the last segment, and then during the break, we talked about the game changers. Um, can you expand on that a little bit, Allie? Talk to me a little bit about that. Sure. So, um, you know, we've been talking about our services that we provide to individuals that have already experienced domestic violence. And, and what, as an agency, we knew we needed to um, do something different. And so we um, developed um, a program called Game Changers. 
It's a gender-based violence prevention program. Mm -hmm. It's aimed um, at middle school boys. Mm. Um, And we'd say that, and that aim is not to say that we believe that these middle school boys are going to be future perpetrators. But what we believe is through education is that we can create um, a generation of very strong young men who then can go to their peers or to be, can be support um, to individuals that are experiencing domestic violence. And so we develop, or we, I guess, run this 17-week um, curriculum um, using a group mentoring structure. So we use two adult male mentors who come in and they work with these um, middle school boys and teach them, talk to them about um, domestic violence, sexual assault, dating violence, stalking, um, talk about what that is, what they see in the call, in you know, what they're seeing at school, what they're seeing at home, and then they teach them how to be active bystanders. Um, we know that again, as we talked about, if somebody could just say like, "I see you," or "I see this happening," um, if they could safely intervene, that we can continue to keep our communities safe, and that's really the 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 purpose of game changers. Um, I think too, we talked about you know, we know that this is again the the statistics are again this is more. Um, a gender-based thing with women being, um, you know, having the most violence against. Um, but we believe that there are men um, who can solve this problem. We have to have men solve this problem with this. Men that uh, may be sitting next to a coworker or somebody at the gym and they notice the way that they're talking to females or the way mm. that they're talking um, about their girlfriend or wife or their significant other. And, you know, having a conversation about that, saying, why, you know, hey, you know, that's not right or, um, why, why do you talk to them like that? Or, you know, hearing mm. about sexual assaults or other things, um, you know, being active bystanders. We, we believe that it takes the entire community to come together mm. um, to really begin to um, prevent and, and end um, this, this significant problem in our community. Mm. That's so strong. Go ahead, Mark. Well, um, you know, they always talk about when kids witness this, mm-hmm. you know, that they become, I, I always heard, that they become more likely to, have the same behavior in part of game changers addressing that absolutely so what we know in the groups that we run so we run these in after school programs after school settings um throughout knox county what we know is that a significant number of the boys that are in our group have witnessed maybe even perpetrated um violence or they know someone that has um the statistics are out there that if some a child um witnesses um, domestic violence or has domestic violence, you know, in their home, they are, you know, the, the statistics goes up for them to either be perpetrators or victims later in life. And again, I think education, somebody, you know, two adult male mentors in this case, telling these young men that there's a different way to have a relationship. You know, this is what a healthy relationship looks like. This is how we should treat um, others in our community and our society um, can really, I mean, quote, change the game, right? Mm. It can be a game changer for a youth. They may never seen that at home. They've maybe never heard that. It's maybe never been a conversation that they've had. Mm. And so we think it's really important that even in middle school, we start talking about this Mm -hmm. and start, again, bringing it to light. Um, Because the more people, um, again, that are aware, the the more that we can can bring awareness to this issue. Yeah. And one of the things I keep coming to my mind is it's that young middle school boy who has in his life family members, maybe the mom, the dad, maybe there's abuse happening right then and there, and they're seeing that. And so those tapes are beginning to record, and they're beginning to see these things, and they start to act that behavior out. Um, And being able to break that cycle, although it seems and feels insurmountable, and it almost feels, I don't want to use this word lightly, but it almost on the surface feels hopeless, um, because it almost feels like there's just so much happening in our in our society, not just in Knoxville, but just in the whole country. 
but it is not hopeless. And that's where you guys come in because there is hope. There is hope for people to be able to get out of this, this system, this cycle of this vicious cycle of violence. I've seen it time and time again, where someone goes through something and they are who they are and nobody thinks that they could ever come out of it. They're just completely lost and hopeless. And then they come through that. And whether that be through a spiritual experience, whether that be through education, I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of both. But Maggie, there is there is hope, isn't there? There Talk is. Talk to us a little bit about the hope. Well, I think um, we see it every day with mm. our advocates and the stories that they share, um, you know, with victims that make choices to either, you know, stay where they are and be safe or to mm. leave so that they can be safe. And so I think just by giving people choices and having resources available gives them that that, that hope that, you know, things can change mm. and, and things can be different. And I think, too, um, the great thing about Game Changers is we want to continue to respond and serve victims and respond to the problem. But I think we also have to look at that prevention side mm-hmm. or we're just going to keep responding, keep responding mm-hmm. and nothing's going to change. Right. right. You have to be proactive. Mm-hmm. And I think take an active role. Um, and then, you know, the victims are the very most important person in this process. The abuser is also a human being as well Mm -hmm. and not to take away from what terrible act that was committed, but they are a soul and a heart there. There's hope for them too. And I think you, what, what can people understand about that piece of it? Because there's not much sympathy for them and understandably they've made a terrible choice. They've done something that has been very detrimental to another human being's life and that could have affected dozens of people. But what do we tell the actual abuser? What can we do for them? Is there anything you can do for them? Push them to the right a direction. I mean, there's supportive services out mm-hmm. there, um, of course, for individuals. And I think, you know, as I think you mentioned, right, once you kind of have a tape played in your mind of how a relationship goes, mm-hmm. um, sometimes that is what is continued through. And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, if an individual decides they want to break that cycle, there are supportive services out there. Um, you know, I think that's something it comes to the individual's decision, right? It really does. You know, I think that, you know, we, um, you know, they have to be able to make that decision that they don't want to live that way anymore. And again, all of our hope is that the more messaging and the more community awareness, the more people that aren't afraid to say, um, you know, I believe you to the victim or to the, you know, person that may be perpetrating violence. Hey, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. You know, like that, that isn't okay. Right. Um, the more that that can, again, give people hope that they could change. Yeah. Um, See, I was just thinking to myself, I I, I have some things going through my mind and I was thinking about if you were to put together an intervention team, let's say, you know, of abuse that's happening. Well, you would need certain people represented in this intervention team. And and this is not just for the victim, but it's also for the abuser. So you have both people who have a problem and, and gosh, guys, this isn't for everybody. But if you know, if you have a friend or family who has definitely knows being abused and you definitely know there's drugs and alcohol involved and you definitely know there's a problem, then, then there are resources like the YWCA, like your church. There's plenty of resources. Uh, Maggie referred us to the recovery uh, channel that um, the gentleman's name, I, what was the gentleman that you Monty were? Burks. Monty Burks. Um, remember we had Monty on. That's right. There's, there's, there's all kinds of, of channels where you can build the support to come to a family and say, 
we want you guys to get help. And if everybody's willing, man, there's some hope right there. Mm-hmm. Does that ever happen? Can that happen? Will yeah, absolutely. Little, yeah. yeah. I mean, there there is hope when people are in a place that they're ready to make some changes. Mm. There are definitely resources available. Yeah. And, you know, we can serve victims. We can certainly refer people on the other side of that where they need to go to well that's that's very good Mm -hmm. maggie mcnally ally lily thank you guys so much for coming in from the ywca check out their website thehousinghour.com you can find the link there thank you mark for coming back from nashville and we appreciate it very much we need you here every every tuesday we couldn't do it without you see you next time right here on the housing hour That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also, check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.